to 1 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 23. I was trying to look back. It really doesn't matter, but I was trying to look back to see what I preached when I was here the first time. I say it doesn't matter. I remember some years ago, I was preaching for my friend, uh, Pastor John Shook. I was there for six weeks. The preachers in North Carolina was curious. So they would call Brother Shook and, what is Brother Beckham preaching on? What is happening at Bailey's Grove? And Brother Shook said, I said, well, what, what did you tell them? He said, I told them they wouldn't believe it if I told them. I tried to get them to the meeting, Brother Beckham. So it went for six weeks, and every day phone calls came in. And Brother Shook finally said, well, I'll tell you what he's doing. He has preached the same message every night for six weeks. They said, well, what, what, what was the message? And in that particular revival, I dealt with being mad. And every night... I would preach some type of message on what are you mad about? Why are you mad? So it really doesn't matter, does it? As long as God's in it is the way I look at it. And um, I want to preach on this subject tonight. The greatest sin in the Bible, the greatest sin, in the Bible. Would you look at 1 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 23? The Bible declares that prayerlessness is an evil sin. I can almost attach that word wickedness on on prayerlessness. The Bible says, God forbid, not some preacher, but God forbid that I should sin, underline it, against the Lord in what? In ceasing to pray for you. Prayerlessness is not only a sin, but it's a sin unto the Lord. We work, we hurt the work of the Lord when we cease to pray. This is a very important thing. This is not an option. It's not something that you can do if you want to. No, no. It's a necessity to the life 
of a work of God. As a young preacher at Tennessee Temple, I was instructed to go to the bookstore and buy a book. And I remember running to the bookstore and buying the book by Dr. John R. Rice. Prayer asking and receiving. And like a lot of students, I just put it up on the shelf. I was 20 years old. But when I was almost in my 50s, I picked up a book and read it. And this is what I, what I read from that great evangelist. Listen to it. Of itself, prayerlessness is, I have no doubt, worse than murder, worse than adultery, worse than blasphemy. It is more fundamental. It more clearly reveals the heart. In fact, while murder, adultery, And blasphemy may catch a person unaware, trapped by the carnal mind. Prayerlessness is the very heart of the carnal mind itself. My greatest sins and yours is prayerlessness. My failures are all prayer failures. The lack of souls saved in my ministry is primarily because of lack of prayer not because the lack of preaching. We can't even have a weenie roast in most of our churches without preaching. But we can have worship services without prayer. We can have ministry, soul winning, bus ministries without prayer. And then he goes on and he says, The withering away of my joy in my heart sometimes is the fruit of prayerlessness. My indecision, my lack of wisdom, my lack of guidance comes directly out of my prayerlessness. Are you listening? Write this down. Prayerlessness is a sin of negligence. As a Christian, we know that prayer is right. If we are neglecting our prayer life, we are sinning against the Lord. Turn with me to James 4.17. I have tried to back up everything that I have said from the word of God this week. James chapter 4 and verse 17. The Bible says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is what? It is sin. How many of you can say, I know, Brother Beckham, by the lifting of the hand, I know that prayer is good. 
Did you do it today? Did you pray today? Are you praying right now? Pray without ceasing. Pray always. Those, I didn't write those verses. I didn't put them in your King James Bible. But God, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote this book. And he wants us to follow this book. Amen? And if we are not following the book, let me tell you, you're in sin. And I have to remind you again, if we regard iniquity in our hearts, the Lord will not hear us. Henry Murray wrote, The sin of prayerlessness is a proof that the life of God in the soul is in deadly sickness and weaknesses and weakness. A person that is neglecting prayer is going to be carnal in his thinking. He is not, she is not going to be spiritual. We have to return. We have to get this sin of prayerlessness. It's one of the, uh, one of the enemies of our soul, prayerlessness is. And he's not only the enemy, but he's a thief. He'll come into your life and he'll take your joy away. He'll take your blessings away. He is not your friend, church. This this thief of prayerlessness. And then prayerlessness is not only a sin of negligence, but prayerlessness is a sin against our fellow man. Would you look in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1 and 2? The Bible is very clear. I, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, I've only heard a few preachers preach on that text. I was in a meeting with, with Dr. Clarence Sexton some years ago, and um, we was preaching to preachers, and he got up, and he read from this text. And he said, first of all, first of all, preachers, are you hearing me? He said, first of all, not second of all, not third of all, not fourth of all, but prayer should be first of all. If you don't have a prayer life, you don't have a life. So he says here, first of all, supplication, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, for kings. We don't have a king in America. And I, ha- I hear folks We don't have to agree with the President of the United States, but we better pray for him. Amen. Amen. We are exhorted in the Bible for kings, 
And I'll say it again, we have a president. But it says for all that are in authority. Have we prayed? Have you prayed for the president of the United States? I was with a bunch of preachers not, well, last year. We were having dinner together. And they began to talk about politics. And they were just eating them up, eating the politicians up, letting them have it. Usually when I go out with preachers or more than two or three people, you won't hear me say nothing. I just sit there and listen. But that day they were going around the table giving their opinions. And it came to me. And I wanted to get up and say, hey, I must be excused, I'll be back. But they wanted to hear. And Brother Wilkinson, what I did, I said to the men, I do have something to say. If the men around this table, including me, would pray for the politicians instead of condemning them, we might see a difference. Amen. Amen. Well, that didn't make me very popular that day, but it was the truth. So we are to pray for our leaders. Secondly, we are to pray for the unsaved. Millions are dying and slipping into hell. We need to pray for them. Before you go out soul winning, you need to pray for the area that you're going to knock doors in. You're to intercede on their behalf. Amen? Yes, sir. The Apostle Paul prayed for the loss in Romans 10 and verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. I read the Lord's Prayer in John 17. You heard it right. The Lord's Prayer, high priestly prayer. If you really want to memorize the Lord's Prayer, memorize chapter 17 of the book of John. And uh, I, I, was, uh, I got real excited one day, Pastor Wilkinson, I was I was in the uh, in a motel room and I was reading the high priestly prayer and I read where Jesus prayed for those that shall believe. I got excited because that was me. Do you realize that Jesus Christ prayed for you to be saved? I think it's in John 17, 20, or 21. If you want to really get excited, go home and read that, that verse and just think about it. Jesus Christ himself, the Savior of the world, praying that Benny Beckham or you 
got, that would get saved down through the centuries. Isn't that exciting? Well, if Paul prayed for the lost and Jesus prayed for the lost, I think we should too. Why? Because the Bible says so. Thirdly, we are to pray for other believers. In Ephesians 1, 17 through 19, we find the Apostle Paul praying for the believer in many of his epistles. But in Ephesians chapter 1, in verse 17, down to verse 19, the Bible says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understandings being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward, who believe according to the working of the mighty power. I tell folks in churches all the time, pray for your church people. It's hard to be mad at someone and pray for them too. So we need to we need to learn from the apostle Paul in these epistles here. These were prayers. Paul was praying for these people. And some of them he had never even met. But he prayed for him, and you, 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 I just read what he prayed. If each one of us tonight would pray this prayer for, for our fellow church people, you think it might make a change? Oh, yes, it would. What is the results of prayerlessness? I have already told you he's not your friend. I have already told you that he's a thief, that he'll rob you of a lot of stuff. As I have mentioned earlier, prayerlessness is a sin. Sin and joy of the Lord cannot live in the same temple. Sin must be put to death before there can be joy in the Lord. John Bunyan wrote, Prayer will make a man cease from sin, as sin will entice a man to cease from prayer. I think we need to be like David. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. That will bring revival. I'm looking for revival. I am really looking for revival. I see a touch of revival here, a little touch of it over here. I don't, we don't need a touch. We need real Holy Ghost revival. The, the loss of our joy 
You may be here tonight and you say, Brother Beckham, I, I used to be full of joy. Why aren't you now? Well, I have let things into my life and I have, I have quit praying. And But you can do something about that. You can say, Lord Jesus, I am sorry. I am sorry that I have hurt you. And grieved you. And Lord, my joy is gone. Would you restore it? And guess what he'll do? He'll reach down with that loving hand and he'll restore that joy back. There's no reason for you to have to walk around all sad and down in the dumps. There's no reason for Brother Beckham to have to do that because God says, I love you. Come here, my son. He'll put those loving arms around you and he'll restore that joy. Secondly, because of this feast of prayerlessness, the loss of peace will, with your heavenly Father, will just vanish away. Isaiah 26, verse 3, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. You get in trouble when you take your mind off of spiritual things. But if you keep your mind on God and be, be, uh, be, Conscious, aware of the presence of God. Let me tell you, it will change your life. I wrote a book a few years ago. We, we've been working on the Bible so much, we haven't got this book printed yet. But it's on the, the awareness of God. It will change your life when you realize that God is looking at you. God is listening to you. He's right there with you. Think about it. Whatever you're thinking right now, God knows it. And uh, it changed my life. The loss of peace. And when I read the, the book of uh, Colossians, I hear so many people say, Brother Beckham, if it wasn't for so-and-so, I would have peace. No. Colossians says, let the peace of God rule. It's our responsibility. And if we don't have peace tonight, it's no one's fault but ours. Oh, you can try to blame it on your spouse and on your children or on the church people or on the pastor or on the deacon board, but it's none of their fault. Whose fault is it? I'll say it again. 
Go home. Let me, let me just make it simple. Go home tonight and look in the mirror and you'll see the problem. Isn't that simple? And then we lose the, we lose the blessings of God because of prayerlessness. The blessings of God. And then the second blessing we lose to prayerlessness is the love for the Bible. When you lose your joy, you lose your you lose your blessings, then you lose the Bible. You're in trouble. I'll say it again, this is the greatest book in the world. There is not one greater than this book. I love books. Ten thousand volumes are plus over that in my library. But there is not a book in my library. That is next to this book. This book keeps me straight. This book will keep you straight too as long as you are praying. But if you're not praying, you're not going to have a desire to read the book. And then if you get out of the book, you're in trouble. Then you lose your burden for to go out soul winning. You lose your burden for lost souls. That is so sad. And it all because of that sin of prayerlessness. Don't take him home with you tonight. Leave him at the altar. And then tomorrow, start start a whole new chapter in your life. Amen? Love you, church. Thank you so, so much for letting me preach to you. But this, this message tonight, I'm warning you. God is warning you about this crazy, wicked, evil enemy of ours by the name of prayerlessness. I remember reading Dr. Rice's definition of prayerlessness, and I thought, it's worse than murder. It worse, it's worse than blasphemy. It's worse than adultery. Only heard him preach one time. And he just got up with his head bowed.
And he talked about prayerlessness. What are we going to do with this enemy? Let us stand, please.